Join my mutant brotherhood. Pledge allegiance to Magneto and you shall share my triumph when I conquer the human race. Arrogant villain, Thor is no evil mutant. I am the son of Odin, sworn protector of the human race. Welcome to this slightly tardy episode of Across the Bifrost, the Mighty Thor podcast, where we explore the world of Marvel's Mighty Thor. My name is Ryan Doze, and I am on vacation this week, so the episode is getting out a little bit later than maybe you're used to, but I hope you're able to understand, and boy, do we have a fantastic episode today. We are talking about three more issues of Journey into Mystery in our throwback series. Now, I have a special guest lined up for today who I have been talking comics with for just a little bit of time on a fantastic Facebook group, the Marvel 1961 through 1997, not 67, that would be way too few years, 1997 Facebook group. It's a fantastic group. If you're on Facebook, I highly recommend joining that group. His name is Jared Sapp, and we are going to be talking about three fantastic issues that all include some really cool crossover stuff. So we're going to see the first appearance of Doctor Strange in Journey into Mystery with an adventure alongside Thor. We're also going to see Magneto, the leader of the evil X-Men, facing off against Thor in our last issue of the day. It is going to be a fantastic, fun journey into mystery today in our throwback series with Jared Sapp. So please stick around for that. It's going to be a good time. As always, friends, thank you for listening to Across the Bifrost, this passion project of mine. I really enjoy putting out these episodes for you. I hope you enjoy them. I hope you learn something about the world of the mighty Thor, one of the Marvel mainstays and one of the greatest superheroes in the world of fiction. I hope you enjoy it. And if you do enjoy it, I encourage you to go rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. And please leave a five-star review, leave a rating, that way more people can find it, and leave a comment or a review so that we know what you enjoy about the show. That would greatly help us out. Let us know if we're doing a good job, and if we're not doing a good job, we want to be doing a good job. So let us know. That would be very helpful. Without further ado, let's jump into three more issues of Journey into Mystery with our special guest, Jared Sapp. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You'll behold in breathless wonder, the god of thunder, mighty Thor. Before we get to our conversation with Jared Sapp, I just want to cover Journey into Mystery number 108, At the Mercy of Loki, Prince of Evil, first solo, Jared was able to join us for 109, but was unable to join us for this issue, so let's cover it one-on-one real quickly so that we are chronologically up to date once we get to our conversation with Jared. This issue was written by Stan Lee, the idol of millions. He was illustrated by Jack Kirby. He was the toast of the town. It was inked by Chick Stone, the man of the hour, and it was lettered by Art Simic. He is the people's choice. Again, Stanley having some fun there with creating these personas around the artists and the creators, a, uh, a truly uh, innovative thing that they were doing at Marvel in this Silver Age time period. A synopsis for this issue goes something like this. Thor is summoned by Doctor Strange while rescuing a child from a speeding truck. On his arrival to the Sanctum Santorum, Thor finds the Doctor passed out on the floor. What mystical forces have incapacitated Doctor Strange? Enter Baron Mordu. So, 
This issue has no significant per- first appearances when it comes to Thor's supporting cast and, and villains. It features a guest star appearance by Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange had been, up, up until now, he had been a backup story in another Marvel book, Strange Tales, which also featured uh, solo adventures of Johnny Storm, the Human Torch. So, as up as up until this point, Doctor Strange did not have his own book, but this is one of the first major guest appearances in Journey into Mystery that Thor uh, goes he goes on kind of a co adventure with another Marvel hero. So, this issue is significant for that reason. A famous guest appearance. There's no real significant notes about this issue behind the scenes other than Stephen Strange's guest appearance in it. But let's go page by page through this book really quickly and just get a ge- kind of a, a general sense of the story that Thor, Donald Blake, Jane Foster, Stephen Strange, and then Loki joins the adventure. Let's get a brief synopsis of kind of a feel of what they experienced in this issue. So on the first opening page, we see uh, Thor being uh, being in a heroic pose. We don't really know why until we turn to the next page where he is saving a child from a speeding truck by uh, sending a bolt of energy through the streets of New York and it hops the truck over the boy, it saves him, and then Thor kind of flies off to his next thing. So really just Thor doing his run-of-the-mill patrolling, and he saves a child from uh, being hit by a truck. So good on you, Thor. Fantastic little little rescue you had right there. Then we jump into the meat of the story. When Thor is flying away, Doctor Strange sends him a telepathic message, uh, and Thor feels compelled to go to the the origin of this feeling, which happens to be the Sanctum Santorum. So on page three, there's an awesome mid panel, uh, middle panel where Dr. Strange is laid out on the floor of the Sanctum Santorum and Thor flies in. You get to see some statues, some magical, mystical items, and uh, really just a good, a good drawing of The Sanctum Santorum by Jack Kirby here gives us kind of a mystical vibe, which, you know, Doctor Strange is one to do. And then Thor asks, uh, what, what is, what's going on? What's happened? And Doctor Strange stumbles through a bit of an explanation where we learn that Baron Mordu, his arch enemy at this point in Marvel Comics, attacked him with a spell and he had to, he had to combat that spell with an even stronger spell. So it kind of, it kind of wiped him out and it weakened him. Thor knows that Dr. Blake can help Strange and he can, uh, he can bring him back to, uh, to good health. So he has an ambulance called, and then we see Donald Blake performing surgery on Stephen Strange, but a doctor helping out a doctor. And doc, uh, Dr. Blake says in his head to himself, he says, no drugs known to modern medicine can counteract the effects of the spell, which has weakened him. Only the fact that I can draw upon my unearthly knowledge of Thor that can save his life. So we see here Donald Blake using the knowledge of Thor to his advantage as a doctor, which is something that is not really hit on much, but it definitely comes in handy sometimes in these adventures. On the next page, we see a little bit of a, of a conflict brewing here, not not with the, the earthly opponents of Thor and Donald Blake, but with Odin himself. Odin is trying to call upon Thor. He's trying to call upon uh, his son to come and aid Asgard in a fight that they're in. And because Donald Blake is in surgery, Thor does not answer the call. And Odin gets very upset. Odin says, he is not answered by all the furies. I hold him I hold him accountable for this. There is no time to find him now, for I must lead my warriors into battle. And then I, when I return, the thunder god shall feel my wrath. So as this is happening, a giant lightning storm covers all of New York City, presumably uh, coming out of Odin's 
fury and his anger towards his son for not responding to his call. And uh, the lightning causes the power in the hospital to go out. Odin's a little petty here, and he goes kind of crazy. Donald Blake quickly kind of adjusts to it, and he he, he knows that he has to finish the surgery no matter what. On page six, we see kind of a few different plot points happening on the same page. Odin and his warriors, they finish the battle, they win the battle, and it's a fantastic cosmic drawing of planets and starbursts and the, the armies of Asgard flooding over the Rainbow Bridge. It's really just a breathtaking panel. I've stopped and stared at it multiple times. And then we see Loki, the god of evil. He's up to a crafty scheme again, and he slips past Heimdall, and he thinks this. Heimdall, the guardian of the Rainbow Bridge, whose eyes are keenest in the universe, would never dream of suspecting what has Loki turned into? A bee. A simple honeybee. Loki turns into a bee and he flies past Heimdall because Heimdall would not suspect that. And Loki returns to Earth to cause more mischief. We then, on the same page, we go to Donald Blake and Doctor Strange having a conversation post-surgery where Doctor Strange says that in, if he can help out Don Blake in any way, he will do so. And uh, Dr. Blake thanks him for that. We go back to the office of Don and Blake just a little later in the day. And there's an old man in a green suit and a brown hat. I wonder who it could be. There's an old man in a green suit who has come to get some type of medical aid from Dr. Blake. And through, uh, through a, a little bit of a hijinks with trading off canes... He throws Don Blake's cane out the window and then reveals his identity on page 8 as Loki, the god of evil. Loki uh, whacks Don Blake in the face and then he gets away with Jane. And he hops out the window and he escapes with her in his clutches. Then on page 9... Don doesn't know what to do. He he can't he can't reach Odin. Uh, he doesn't know what to do because he can't uh, turn back into Thor. He doesn't have his cane. He's got to find his cane, and he doesn't know what to do. So he goes back to the hospital and he consults Stephen Strange. He assumes that Doctor Strange can help him. And on page ten, we see how he is going to get assistance from the master of the mystical arts. Dr. Strange uses a spell to project his astral form outside of his body and track down the stick. He finds the cane of Dr. Blake on the docks. Someone is actually using it as a fishing pole. So they track it down. Don gets the cane back and he transforms back into Thor. Then we, on page 11, we jump back to Asgard. Odin is a little, uh, how do you say this? He is a little... Uh, contemplative. He wonders if maybe he was too harsh on his favorite son. And he goes to make amends with Thor to apologize, which is a rare move for Odin because usually Odin, the king of Asgard, doesn't apologize for squat. He is, you know, he is the all father. He doesn't need to apologize, but this is a rare occasion where he does apologize. And as he tries to reach Thor, Thor responds with, no, not so, sir. The time for talk has passed. You did not see fit to answer me when I needed you, and now the need exists no more. He doesn't need Odin's help anymore, and he won't give Odin the opportunity to apologize. So this is kind of a petty little argument going back between father and son, going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. They kind of almost feel like like, like petty children uh, keeping up this argument that really doesn't need to happen anymore. And then even after Odin has tried to apologize and offer help, the Avengers themselves see Thor flying by and they offer to help him. And Thor says, no, 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 they, they possibly, they could not stand up against the powers of Loki. Uh, you know, he is much too formidable of an opponent. Which I take issue with because, right? I mean, most, most of us listening know that the, and if you don't know, let me just remind you, the first adventure that the Avengers ever went on was teaming up against Loki. 
in the first issue of the Avengers comic book. So the fact that Thor says this, it may be just a, like a break in continuity. Uh, well, Thor, if anyone's going to help you, it would it would feel most appropriate for the Avengers to help you. But he rejects their help and turns his attention to trying to locate Loki. Now, an interesting thing gets plugged in here that as guardians each each as guardian has their own unique free-flowing electrons and it's kind of like a unique code that as guardians can tap into to find each other uh i i had never heard of this until i read this issue so it's kind of unique it's kind of different loki is giving off this unique code and Thor's hammer, Mjolnir, is able to find it. He goes to the top of the Empire State Building, and he locates Loki's unique signal all the way in the Adirondack Mountains. When he reaches the mountains, he sees Loki, they fight, and there's a little bit of a back and forth between them. Thor says, defend yourself, evil one, if you can. Loki responds with, Thor, you retrieved your cane. Well, well, obviously, I mean, you're you're not fighting Don Blake. You're fighting Thor at this point. Loki, as well, says, "Stay back, accursed brother. The girl you cherish is my part is my prisoner in limbo. Only I can save her. If only if any harm comes to me, Thor cuts him off and says, "She will not enter into this. So save your breath for battle. You shall need it." Thor uh, definitely flexing on his more um, more intellectual brother. Definitely Thor is uh, more of the physical combatant here. Loki nonetheless has his tricks. And on the next page we see it. Loki is able to trip up Thor and Thor falls into a giant pit where Loki reveals that his powers are the only... Uh, he, he's going to... He's going to trap Jane in limbo as long as Thor uh, doesn't relinquish his power. So Loki says, there, while you fume helplessly in the trap I set for you, I have, con- I have, conta- I have contacted, oh man, that was a hard one. I have contacted the exact spot in limbo where Jane Foster is imprisoned. All I need to do is hurl one psychic bolt like this. Wait. What manner of sorcery is this? My psychic bolt cannot reach her. She is safely ensconced behind a mystic force wheel. But how? And we jump back to Doctor Strange, who is using the amulet of Agamotto to protect Jane as she is in limbo. So again, Doctor Strange comes in and he helps Thor from a distance, protecting Jane while she's held prisoner in limbo. Thor gets out of the pit, And some cool panels transpire here where he swings Mjolnir in such a ferocious and fast pattern that it chops down all the trees and it turns them into splinters and Loki can't see and he's, he's quickly dispatched. The narration says this, it kind of just sums up the fight for us. And there, in the lonely Adirondack forest, Loki finally feels the full force of one of the most powerful blows in the universe, the pulverizing knockout punch of the mighty Thor. Though that awesome blow would have shattered a small mountain, it only dazes the powerful Loki, but that's enough to achieve Thor's objective. So, Thor has Loki in custody, and he forces Loki to... Return Jane from Limbo back to the real world. And we even see Loki try to get one last one last little uh, jab in as he's as he's, you know, caught by Thor. But he kind of wiggles his way out and he tries to get one last spell in. And out of nowhere, in this plume of clouds, a hand comes out and reaches for Loki. And he is taken back up to Asgard by one of the warriors that Odin has sent to retrieve his son. Then on the last few panels, we see a bit of a thought from Odin. Still he loves the mortal girl, the female he can never be permitted to marry. What am I to do with my strong-willed son?
So that love story continues, that tension between Odin and Thor eh, over the love of Jane Foster continues, and we come to the end of Journey to Mystery 108, At the Mercy of Loki, the Prince of Evil, featuring prominently the guest appearance of Doctor Strange. Now, we've been doing on the show lately, would you read this or would you leave this? And I've been saying that low-key stories are always a read it. And I would say to read this, but with the additional information that you get to see some cool guest appearances by Doctor Strange. I really enjoyed this story. I thought some of the art, uh, when they depict Asgard, it's always great. Jack Kirby always seems to give special attention to the scenes with Asgard in the background and even the portions of the story where Loki is talking about Jane Foster in Limbo, those are just particularly mesmerizing drawings with the the spells and, and the cosmic starbursts. It's just it's fantastic. So if you have the time, you have Marvel Unlimited, or if you're lucky enough to own a copy of this, definitely read this. It was well worth the time. So now we're going to jump into our conversation with Jared Sapp, where we're going to talk a lot about Magneto, and we're going to talk about the first part of our newest, latest Hide and Cobra story. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome in, everybody, to our throwback issue for the week, our throwback uh, issues for the week. We're going to do a few issues with a, uh, a a new acquaintance of mine that I got to know through a, a fantastic Facebook group, the uh, Marvel 1961 through 1997 comic book group. Uh, his name is Jared Sapp. Jared, introduce yourself real quick to the listeners and tell us where in the nine realms do you hail from? Uh, the realm I live in is Texas, which is probably a realm completely in and of itself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a super excited about the villain in the first issue we're going to do. Yes. We are going to get some crossover X-Men action. It's going to be good. Sort of. Yeah, kind of, kind of, sort of. Yeah. So Jared is here to break down a few issues on this episode of the throwback uh a throwback series and he'll also be joining us next week to break down a few issues as well but without further ado we are going to jump into journey into mystery issue 109 entitled when magneto strikes so jared i know that right off the bat you're very excited about that title why why is magneto the 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 guy that you were most excited to talk about this week uh, this issue is awesome because it's the first time Magneto ever appears outside. It's also, I think a lot of people my age know Magneto very well. We think of him as this philosophical villain, maybe noble intentions, bad methods. And I think in this issue we see that's maybe not even close to what Stanley and Kirby, how they wrote him. Um and he's also been a busy guy. I think at this point, seven issues of X-Men had been printed and he's been in five of them. Yeah. Along with his, uh, his, uh, brother, brotherhood of evil mutants. Uh, he's, he's yeah, we're not even been... trying to pretend. And Right. They, they're not the brotherhood. They're no. specifically the evil brotherhood. And there's You've no be, nuance. You gotta be evil to join. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, like Jared said, we get a fantastic guest star in this issue of Mighty Thor in Journey into Mystery. But I want to tell uh, our listeners and read the creative team breakdowns that Stan Lee uh, verbalized and uh, that Sam Rosen lettered at the beginning of this issue. The opening splash page of this issue is fantastic, and it includes some amazing descriptions of the creators. So. The creative team on this issue, as worded by Stan Lee, is written by Stan Lee, the monarch of the Marvel Age at the pinnacle of his power. This was illustrated by Jack Kirby, the prince of pageantry at the height of his titanic talent, inked by Chick Stone, the dean of line design at the peak of his prowess, and it was lettered by Sam Rosen, the sultan of spelling at the little table in his studio. So 
that is our very uh, 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 entertainingly described creative team for this issue. Jared, when I read off some of those names, uh, do any of them jump out to you significantly as, as we're about to jump into this issue? Jack Kirby is Thor in my mind. Um, you know, I, I don't want to get into the Lee Kirby debate, but I think yeah. Jack Kirby has a whole lot more to do with Thor, the setting, his supporting cast, than he probably did on some of the other issues. I've, especially considering that some of the other work he did after he left Marvel, it's kind of a similar setup to the characters in Thor. Jack yeah, Kirby. you're talking uh, about like the new gods yes, stuff yes. over in dc absolutely a very cosmic cosmic yet fantasy um combo that he was able to pull off with that that's you're right that gives me a lot of thor vibes as well when i look over at some of those um some of those issues uh honestly uh we, we talk about jack kirby a lot um on across the bifrost because he creates just the 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 background he creates the uh the the foundation of asgard and and we've been talking off off of this uh this recording about tales of asgard um he was for just foundational in bringing those stories to light so awesome creative team i've also said many times chick stone is the best name in comics I, if I ever have to legally change my name, I will change it to Chick Stone in his honor. I love that name so much. We will give you a brief synopsis of this issue, and then we will jump in and break it down, and we'll let Jared uh, just go go off on talking about uh, Magneto. So brief synopsis here is that Thor is faced up against the Master of Magnetism at a World's Fair Donald Blake is surprised by an attack of the ev- the evil Brotherhood of Mutants. Will Dr. Blake slip into the guise of Thor without gaining public attention? And what is the motivation behind Magneto's civilian attacks? So just kind of giving us a little bit of a little bit of a, a, a transition into the story. This opening splash page, this page number one, is fantastic. It it is a big, bold page. There's a big statue of Thor on the front. And in big, kind of kinetic, uh, elect- electrically uh, uh, stylized wording, we see when Magneto strikes. So, Jared, I'm very curious. What did you think of this opening uh, splash page? It, it kind of harkens back to, I know he's, the hammer's not in the same position, but the statue of Thor is kind of a similar look to the first issue of Journey into Mystery when he appears. Yes, and exactly, I, yeah. And I also like um, the little note that Magneto gets to appear because of permission from the publishers. Of that was fantastic. Namely ourselves. <laughs> the, the little text box says, a special appearance with the publishers, uh, with the publishers of X-Men magazine, namely ourselves, in parentheses, so... Stan Lee interjecting a little bit of a little bit of cr- a crossover humor there. We see that uh, Thor is at a world. Thor is at the World's Fair, and they've done this Hall of Heroes, where they've made all these statues of the different heroes. And Thor says, he, you know, he he greatly appreciates it, and then he uh, he moves on to patrol the city. Then on the bottom corner of page two, we see the oddest looking submarine that I have ever seen. It's like a, it's like a football, a football with a propeller on it. And there's a big tree sticking Dead out tree. of the top. It's, it's so crazy looking. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure that out in the middle of, 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 of a New York Harbor, they're like, Hey, of course there'd be a big dead tree out there. That makes total sense. I mean, it's, Magneto is a Dr. Evil character at this. Oh point. my God. Yes, he he is completely a kind of a an arrogant buffoon at this point. The uh, the third and fourth page kind of show us uh, a little bit of the interaction between Magneto and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Magneto is sending them off to find the X Men and track them down, and then we see Magneto experimenting with his magnetic powers, which causes all sorts of 
of odd oddities around the city, just metal objects flying everywhere. Jared, with the uh, introduction of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants here, um, just maybe tell us why why does Magneto hold a a special place for you? And why why were you so excited to to look at this uh, issue specifically? Well, he's my he's probably my favorite hands down Marvel villain. Period. I also I think a lot of the things that part of the cheesiness is part of why I kind of want to draw more people to this because I think <laughs> a lot of the characterization that Chris Claremont did with him in the eighties it's become such part of him that I think people kind of attribute it to Lee and Kirby. Okay, yeah, yeah. And when we see him like this, it's like no, no. He was very. Uh, I almost see him as he's like the um, he's the the cackling villain uh, sitting up in his in his lair, uh, almost like uh, like a Cobra Commander yes. from like GI Joe. Uh, a very very campy. Uh, it's really like you said. It's not until later that we see the Magneto that has this this depth and this anguish in him. Um, his backstory isn't really fleshed out for a, a while in the X Men books, uh, but right now he's he's just kind of a run of the mill supervillain. I, mean, I just, think he's a. I think a lot of what they did with X Men was kind of derivative of how successful they were with Fantastic Four. And I'm going to be honest, I don't really lo- I love X Men. Not much. Um, one thing that I kind of notice as the Brotherhood is being introduced, though, and I kind of wonder if it's almost the purpose of this story when he's sending the brotherhood off it's like at the bottom of page three they make sure to point out you know these guys are evil quicksilver and scarlet which maybe are a little less evil than everybody else yes yeah it's like maybe it's the setup for the because maybe at this point they know they're going to be joining the avengers within a year I, i don't know but it almost seems like they almost go out of their way to show that you know, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are a whole lot less evil than the rest of the people on this submarine. Yeah, I mean, and you're right, like, because it, within within just a matter of a few issues in the Avengers stories, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are no longer a part of the evil brotherhood. They go full hero mode very quickly uh, in the beginning of the Avengers book. So that, honestly, that would not surprise me with how far out they had to be writing and producing these these stories uh it's there's a clear delineation between uh you know a toad masterminded magneto and then you know quicksilver and scarlet witch um that good real good uh real good pickup because uh if you if you were to look at this out of context you might think oh scarlet witch and quicksilver like from from the movies you know well it's not really how they began they began as kind of tortured like tortured henchmen of Magneto, but not full villains by any means. We move on to kind of the the um, the the commotion that's happening around the city. All of all of these metal items are being drawn uh, to Magneto's submarine because he's doing these experiments. And Don Blake and Jane, they're made aware of this, and then it just it stops. Uh, Magneto's experiment stops, and Don says to Jane that uh, he he needs to he needs to do some other work so that Jane should leave for the day and Jane just phenomenal sass in this uh, issue she says well of course doctor we wouldn't want to inconvenience you wouldn't want to inconvenience yourself would you and there's a big bold uh, bold text on inconvenience and she looks all like very very cold and very uh, again sassy to Don, I loved Jane's level of sass in this issue. I thought it was fantastic. And Thor flies off and he's drawn to the dead tree hanging out in the middle of the harbor. So, Jared, we're about to see this conflict between Thor and Magneto get uh, get physical and they're about to demonstrate their powers. But this lead in, uh, had you read this issue beforehand? Did you know what was about to, to happen in the in the story? So I read it last week and probably been maybe, I don't know, two, three years since I had read it because when they put everything on Marvel Unlimited, I did make it a point to pretty much read the whole run of 
Kirby and Leon Thor. Oh, it awesome! So well. Fantastic. So this was this was a story that definitely stuck out to you and stuck with you. I always remember it because of the Magneto. I think I've read every appearance of Magneto at least once. Like in all of Marvel comics. Like, oh my goodness that that is a through a certain date. That is an accomplishment unto unto itself. My goodness, kudos for that. The I so the conflict between Magneto and Thor begins, and it actually begins with Magneto offering Thor a partnership. He should join the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants because uh, he thinks Thor is a mutant. And, and Thor is having none of it. He, he actually, at the bottom of page eight, he says, Arrogant villain, Thor is no evil mutant, and I am the son of Odin, sworn protector of the human race. Magneto shoots back with, so be it, fool. I offered you greatness, but you choose defeat. Fantastic that's, writing. That's par for the course with 60s Magneto. Anybody Magneto ever encounters, he always assumes they're a mutant. Is there, is there ever a, a given since since I now know you are the you are the uh, the expert on Magneto, definitely on this recording? Uh, why is it that he just assumes everybody's a mutant? Is there a reason given for that? I think Lee and Kirby always wrote him as kind of arrogant like that. Like like there's an issue of the X Men where they encounter the Stranger who you know, went on to be a major cosmic character for the X-Men or through, for Marvel in general, but he first appears in an episode of the X-Men. He's got these fantastic cosmic powers. And the first thing Magneto does is he, you need to join my brotherhood. It's just anybody he ever meets. He's just constantly putting out flyers for, for evil much. guys to join his gang. Yeah. He, he's like the guy at the coffee shop that has the little, the banner like, Hey, guitar lessons, you know, take a number and give me a call that's it's his uh his whole uh, recruiting strategy i guess exactly the the fight ensues and we just kind of get to see both their powers uh on full display and at one point magneto shuts thor behind these big metal bulkheads and he's separated from the hammer so within a certain amount of time 60 seconds he reverts back to don blake and Magneto actually tosses the stick aside, thinking, you know, that it's 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 nothing. And might be part of his submarine. Y- yes, yeah. It it just it just it maybe some driftwood that fell off of his uh, his submarine's disguise. There is a fantastic panel on page twelve um, that I, I we talk a lot about on this show how how Kirby would draw very energetically and very dynamically, and I think there's a panel on page twelve that perfectly typifies this it's the top right panel where don is diving out of the way of these rivets that are shooting out from the wall it it almost looks like a 3d technique where kirby has all these rivets shooting at you as the reader that panel just jumped out to me so much uh did you did that panel catch your eye at all jared uh not until now no okay well hey I'm learning about Magneto, you know, just kind of tra- trading favorite things. That's that's a, a great reason to have a co-host on, on these shows. Kind of skipped on that amazes me about this issue is that Magneto can even control the enchanted metal from Asgard. Yes. That created Thor's hammer. I mean, you're, you're talking about a villain. It took him 20 years of fighting Wolverine to figure out that he could control Wolverine's bones. And he figured out he can control Thor's hammer in two panels. Hey, sometimes, sometimes you need to fail, fail a few what hundred times to realize uh, what you should have done. Wolverine time and again lived in the same house with them for probably five years in the eighties. Nothing. Thor's <laughs> hammer immediately. <laughs> yes, less than a page. Uh, it's, it's, speaking of Magneto's powers of. Of, of magnetism and villainy he he tracks down don blake who he, he thinks is still thor um he he has a blip on a radar going through the submarine and while he's trying to track down thor uh the other brotherhood of evil mutant uh members they say that you know we 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 just we found the x-men and they are hot on our tail and 
they're gonna they're gonna find us and mastermind is kind of freaking out and i love um i love uh one of the one of the things that magneto says back to me stop sniveling and give me your exact location he's very (laughs) demeaning and degrading to his to his uh uh, his fellow brotherhood uh mutants and they they, you get this this feeling that we're coming to a climax because the x-men are now involved we actually see uh Cyclops's laser beam out of nowhere. We don't see Cyclops, but we see his his laser beam, and then we go back to Magneto and Thor. The culmination of their fight. Don grabs the stick that Magneto has thrown carelessly away, and they continue their one on one battle. Magneto eventually tries to uh, blow up Thor with a nuclear proton bomb. But out of nowhere, the bomb is frozen. And even reading it, I was like, wait, hold on, what's happening? And then you see Beast's, uh, you know, his, his, uh, his knuckled hands coming out of nowhere. And Angel's silhouette is in the background. And the X-Men are here. They chase off Magneto. The inclusion of the X-Men here, Jared, uh, with how it's done, they're off panel. But they're really the ones that save the day in this issue, wouldn't you say? would say so. I, I find it very odd that they don't even make a cameo. Yeah, that that is particular because it, it's, uh, I think it's maybe that, uh, that month Jack Kirby didn't feel like drawing uh, more characters in this book. I mean, the guy was a, a machine. He was doing several books at a time and a, multiple covers. And draws it. Could or will be it. It just seems that at this time, Marvel has by this time Marvel has no bones having one person show up in somebody else's book. Yeah, it it is odd that we get we get we get inferred that they're there, but we we don't actually see them at all. It, it is it is a little odd because you're right; they had people showing up in each other's books, you know, like like not like nothing. You know, it was it was just already happening. They were already building that crossover anyone could show up kind of feeling and uh it's a little odd that the x-men don't make a full appearance in this book it's also odd that thor seems to have no idea who they were because earlier in the issue when he's at that world's fair and they're telling him about all the statues they have they say well we've got statues of the x-men in the next room and he seems to know he doesn't imply that he doesn't know what he's talking about yeah yeah but then he seems to have no clue about, you know, where could these, where could this ice be coming from? Yeah. (laughs) You know, who's the guy with the giant knuckles and who's, who's the dude with the giant wings? Hmm. I I wonder who these, these gentlemen could be. And there's also no reference to Jean Grey in this uh, Marvel girl in, in this issue. It's only the, the guys of the group that are inferred. We, we see Magneto get away. Uh, the X-Men chase them in the sub. Thor actually says, but what is this strange craft pursuing them? It seems to be marked only with an X. So again, we're not just going to, we're not going to outright say these are the X-Men that are showing up. We're just going to keep on pl- being coy about it. Thor detonates the, the, the bomb and uh, blows up the submarine. He flies away. We get a little bit of a of a catch up with Magneto as he, he and his little mini sub go away. And then we come back to Jane, Jane's apartment. Don shows up and is trying to, you know, uh, make up for uh, their, their kind of cold moment. I love Jane's one of Jane's final uh, speech bubbles. She says, well, Dr. Blake, how heroic of you to venture outdoors on such a windy day. Again, I love Sassy Jane. Sassy Jane is my favorite. <laughs> She's awesome. But they, they make up and the issue concludes. So, Jared, I've started doing this with each issue of Journey into Mystery. So I must ask you a question. Journey into Mystery 109, When Magneto Strikes, would you read it or leave it? I would personally leave it, but I will say that if you're just wanting the essentials it's not really essential thor and it's definitely not really essential x-men or magneto but i would read it it's a good story yeah i I would say that as well does it is it is it quintessential to the legacy of either character no 
but it is a really fun Silver Age crossover story. And, uh, um, and, and, you know, it's kind of a stalemate at the end, um, which many of the big hero, you know, hero versus hero or hero versus villain from another hero's book, you know, they would end in stalemates. This one does as well, but man, it, it was, it was a really fun story. So we move on to our last issue of this episode, Journey into Mystery 110, entitled Every Hand Against Him. A very uh, foreboding title. The creative team on this issue. This issue of Journey into Mystery was spectacularly drawn, or written by Stan Lee. It was magnificently drawn by Jack Kirby. It was powerfully inked by Chick Stone, and it was eventually lettered by Art Simic. I... I don't know if you've noticed this, Jared, going through the history of Thor. He tends to rag on letters a lot. He does. It's not just Thor. I, 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 why, why do you think that is? Because it, it just seems like an odd person to pick on because they're the ones that would have to write this. It does seem odd, but you do see this pattern. I mean, I'm convinced. I'm not convinced Stan Lee wrote every story that possible yeah yeah i think i think any page that says written by stan lee i think he did the, the first page the okay. intros are always in his voice yeah the, the very um lots of pomp and circumstance and it's it's got a very uh a salesman pitch uh uh tone to it um so we are jumping into uh an issue uh that we will we'll just give you a brief synopsis for listener goes the things we do for love when jane foster is kidnapped by loki's minions cobra and mr hyde thor will do anything to save her even if it means disobeying his father odin this issue does not have any significant first appearances uh there is however uh, in the back of this issue along with the tales of asgard story there is one of the first thor pinup pages so when uh, a, a young reader or a reader in the in the Silver Age would get this book, there was a full page illustration of Thor that presumably you could tear out of the book and put up on your wall, like almost like a mini poster. That was something they started doing a little bit more in these books. So, Jared, I just want to get some of your overall impressions of the first part of this two-part arc. We'll cover the second part next episode with you but this first the, this first part we get Mr. Hyde coming back Cobra Loki using both of them to try and defeat Thor he he doubles their powers so much is going on what were some of your impressions of this book maybe some of your favorite panels uh, and moments in this book I think the splash page on the first page of the story is just outstanding I, I love the picture Thor superimposed with the city behind him. And I also like as they're introduced like he's looking for people to do his bidding and he's decided to bail Mr. Hyde and Cobra out. I always I always love when comics date themselves with things that make it sound yeah this is clearly written a long time ago. Like <laughs> yes. They cannot believe on page two they cannot believe that someone has put up bail for Mr. Hyde and Cobra because their bail is each half a million dollars. Astounding. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. And he walks in there just cool, calm. He's like, release them. I have I have all the cash right here. It's like and he just hands him a piece of paper. Like it's like a it's like a one million dollar bill. <laughs> in in Marvel Net to this day, as far as I know, to the last time that I was a really regular reader, when it comes to justice and supervillains, there are so many questions about jurisprudence and jurisdiction. Like, who would have custody over a supervillain? Is it the city of New York, the state of New York, the U.S. government? You never know. <laughs> someone should do it. Someone should do a deep dive of the uh, the the legal atrocities of the Silver Age. Just and then they try it. to do it in Daredevil occasionally, and it just gets it just makes it worse. Yeah, right. Like of of anyone, Matt Murdock would know, and even then, it's a little uh, it's a little shady at best. But but Loki Loki apparently has a million dollars to get both of them out of jail. 
he is a rich Asgardian uh, uh, supervillain for sure. He, the, speaking of Loki, one of my favorite panels of this entire issue was on page four when uh, Hyde and Cobra are kind of jabbing at, at Loki and, and then he reveals his identity. Um, he says, very well, I have no reason to conceal my identity from you. Strong as you both are, your strength is nothing to mine. Evil as you both are, your evilness is nothing to mine. For I am Loki. I am the half-brother of Thor himself. And the panel, the art is so good. It almost looks like it came straight out of a of a, of a Doctor Strange comic. It, it's so... Um, though Loki looks that the most menacing. Oh, go it's ahead. It's a lot more Ditko than Kirby. Right? It does. It does. Uh, Loki looks uh, Loki looks like he just stepped out of the dark dimension. And there's uh, these these tendrils in the back. There's these monster silhouettes. It's it's I mean, it's it's a terrifying little panel. Um, but that's just one of my one of my uh, things that really jumped out to me through this entire issue is the cosmic grandeur and the very powerful panels. There's a few panels of of Odin's face, like on on page eight, Odin, you know, his his um, his features are imposed on this pink background, and it's just very menacing. There's some some cosmic Kirby panels on that page as well. As the story is moving along, we find out that Loki has used Hyde and Cobra to track down Thor, and he is enacting a a, a master scheme. And Thor even goes to Asgard. He fights through all the warriors who uh, are trying to keep him from getting to Odin to find answers. And we see Loki just playing both sides, being just a conniving weasel. And, and Loki has gotten Thor banned from Asgard by ratting him out for wanting to date Jane Foster once again, correct? <laughs> For the millionth time, I feel like, at this point. <laughs> Odin has a real... Thor tries to go back. And Odin. Heimdall has him blocked. Yes. He has him come a, a barred from from coming into Asgard, and their their fight is actually really cool. Uh, lots of lots of standard Kirby uh, pencil strokes, the powerful explosions. Uh, their their fight is really awesome. I also I always love how Heimdall's shield has a big H on it. It's very Captain America yes. of him. Good branding. I really Ooh. like page ten. Yes, because it has just two very large panels. That's just not a layout you often see in the '60s comics, and it just allows so much more detail than you usually see. I agree. And in, 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 in the way that Jack Kirby would do a lot of the tales of Asgard, every Asgardian warrior looks different. They're all very distinct. Um, they, it's not these, they're not wearing uniforms. They're wearing their own chainmail and their own helmets. And, and they're all just coming at Thor with everything they've got. Uh, Thor even says back, back and answer to the fury of my hammer. Fantastic two panel page there. The culmination of this story is it, we come to back to Earth and Hyde and Cobra re-enter the story. They have lured Thor to kind of a, a haunted trap house uh, where everything in this house is just designed to bring down Thor. Uh, as we got to the culmination of this issue, Jared, what was jumping out at you with Hyde and Cobra getting somewhat the upper hand and uh, laying out Jane for uh, for uh, for the the time being, I think it does a very good job of taking it maybe the most powerful hero Marvel has at the time and just exposing his ultimate weakness. Which, he, in, in your mind, what is his ultimate weakness, Jane? I, yep, could not agree more. And, and there is one uh, bit of information that I feel is very key here. Jane is just moments away from death, and Thor 
uh, is able to swing his hammer uh, in a specific way to um, move around time so that time will not uh, time will not move as fast forward and Jane's life will be spared um, as long as this current this this kind of cyclone looking uh, illustration is is going around the house and that's where we are left on a cliffhanger for this issue and for this episode. Jared, any other kind of notes from issue 110 of Journey into Mystery? The little vortex he makes this hammer to trap the house outside of time. I've read a lot of Thor. I cannot really think of another example of that happening. Can you? No, honestly, it... it We've talked about this before, how like <laughs> in a lot of different uh, comic books and with a lot of different characters, it was, okay, well, what powers do we need to give them this week? Um, and I think this is one of those where it, the hammer is given uh, to Thor to do this, uh, to do this act that we hadn't seen before. And we I, like, like yourself, I really haven't seen it since in my reading of Thor, but I think usually when the hammer does something that I haven't seen before and don't see after, I kind of like, okay, that was like a, a, a get out of jail free card there. But this, the way they use the hammer here at the end of 110, I think it adds to the drama so much. It does. It, it, it enhance, it, it doesn't take away from the drama of the story, it actually enhances it. And there is a section of dialogue next episode that we're gonna that we're gonna do in 111 that I, I'm just gonna read it in full. And uh, it's one of the most dramatic pages I, I believe I've read so far in our Silver Age throwbacks. And and the vortex of time around the house plays a big part in that next issue as well. So I, I would agree that that um. It definitely adds to the story. It's so good. Um, but as we wrap up 110, Jared, I've got to ask you, this issue, would you read it or would you leave it? Read it. It's at the point it might be one of the best issues of, of a Marvel comic to this point. It's outstanding. The high praise from from Jared Sapp there on uh, issue 110 of Journey into Mystery. I concur wholeheartedly i would go and read this i have spoken uh i, I don't I, maybe jared you can share your personal opinions on this i love the character of hyde and we all love you know the characters of loki but the villains uh really are piling up for thor and i, I love that and the drama that this issue produced was was top notch the uh the end little box we'll read and then we will we will part for this for this episode next issue brings the startling climax to this epic tale as thor battles more with more savagery more powerfully than ever before as as surely as odin is lord of asgard you will never forget thor's coming battle with hyde and cobra so that concludes this breakdown of our throwback series i want to thank jared for joining us today he will be back with us next time we jump aboard the rainbow bridge with our throwback silver age uh retrospective so jared thank you for joining us today appreciate it man thank you very much thank you That does it for the show today, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this crossover-heavy episode of our throwback series with Jared Sapp. We are going to have Jared back on the podcast next week to talk about the next three issues in our throwback series. We are getting into the second half of our Mr. Hyde and Cobra issue that we leapt off with. And next week, we get to talk about the Incredible Hulk, the time that Thor and Hulk faced off in the pages of Avengers. But this is like a side adventure on on the outside of the panel that we didn't get to see in Avengers. So a special episode next week featuring the incredible 
Hulk. As always, friends, thank you for joining us today aboard the Rainbow Bridge. We greatly appreciate your listenership. We are still working on that Facebook group. I have not forgotten, but like I said at the top of the show, I am on vacation trying to get some much-needed R&R, so the Facebook group is going to be happening soon, 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 soon. I, 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 I'm working on it. I'm thinking through what the best way to do that is. So we are closing down the show for today. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And until we see you again aboard the Rainbow Bridge, I remind you, friends, to stay worthy.